Amen. Praise the Lord, church. That's quite an introduction. Amen. I'm not used to, uh, to all that. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be here tonight. Amen. How many are happy to be in the house of God tonight? Amen. You could be a million other places on a Friday, right? But it's good when we can get together and dwell in unity. Amen. How many, how many churches were represented again tonight? We got about three or four. Amen. Hoping that this will continue to grow. Amen. Amen. Month by month, we want to see the different tribes, right? <laughs> the different tribes represented in this city. Amen. Amen. There we go. <laughs> Praise God. So um, how many of you guys, I'm sure nowadays it seems like almost everybody is online, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, right? How many of you guys got all that, all that good stuff, right? You know, I fought it for a while. I didn't, go, I didn't get on Facebook when everybody was jumping onto it, but then I just kind of felt like I was getting pulled into it, and so I, so I ended up doing it as well. But you see a lot of terminology that's repeated over and over again. What's one of the what's one of the acronyms that you see pretty often on Facebook? LOL, right? Here's another one. I'll do it. What what am I doing? What, what, what's the acronym there? <laughs> now, what are some reasons that we might decide to shake our head at something? Foolishness? Dumb things, right? Stuff that we just don't know anything better to say. Here's a couple of examples, right, that I actually pulled. And hopefully these, are not, hopefully these don't represent any, anybody here. I just randomly pulled them. Who knows? They might be, there might be somebody out there. But uh, some of them are kind of sad, and it really does make you want to shake your head. I ain't been drunk. And by the way, I'm reading them exactly how they're in there. All right? So <laughs> I ain't been drunk all week. Shaking my head. This just not me. I shake my head at that statement. I don't know about you guys. How about this one? I always drop my phone on my face when I'm laying down texting. Shaking my head. Shaking my head. This one's not as funny, though. 136 murders this year. Shaking my head. Summer ain't even here yet. I wonder if God shakes his head at anything. Are there anything, is there anything that you think a holy God might shake his head at? Now, here we are in Bridgeport 2012, right? And you can say, well, he might shake his head at the violence in our city. He might shake his head at the lack of justice and the corruption in our politics. He might shake our head at our school systems. But church, I believe the sad reality is God shakes his head at us. Because we ought to know better. We ought to know better. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> it's okay. You can talk to me up here. Amen. Praise God. I'm not used to being up on a stage. I might have to come down here. But uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think I've heard it somewhere said that judgment starts first in the house of God. 
See, what are we here for tonight? Did we come for good worship? Did we come to hear somebody preach? Did we come to hang out with our friends? See, it really doesn't matter what your motive is because God knows it already, doesn't he? Amen. He sees our hearts, right? He knows what we're really all about, doesn't he? So when we gather together on a unity service and say, we want unity, right? We want revival. How many people want unity in this city? How many people want revival? Amen. But we can say it, right, with our mouths. But what are we really doing about it? See, Mark chapter 7 and verse 6 through 8 talks about Jesus was saying that they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Amen. Shaking my head. Shaking my head. Now, I bet you there was a couple things that God could shake his head at. When, he, when you look at the Bible stories, like here's a good one, right? The Ten Commandments. Here's Moses up on the mountain of God getting the Ten Commandments. And what are the people of God doing when the man of God left? Shaking my head, right? <laughs> Moses was more than shaking his head when he got down, wasn't he now? <laughs> Samson and Delilah. Shaking my head at that one. Come on. Tell me the secret of your strength. You don't really love me unless you tell me the secret of your strength, right? Not once, twice, three, four times. Shaking my head. The Garden of Eden. Come on, paradise? Shaking my head. <laughs> Shaking my head at that one. But who did Jesus like to shake his head at? Judas? The Pharisees, right? The church folk. The religious folk. See, because they had, a, they had this thing going on, right, that salvation was from the Jews. So they had everything going on right, didn't they? They had all the procedures, all the rules, everything was down. Now, we, we learned a little bit about the history, right? Last month, you talked a little bit about the history of, of this area, right? New England has a rich spiritual history. Do you know that the pilgrims and the Puritans, they came from across the seas for religious freedom? How in the world did we get where we are today? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I just, I don't know about you. Amen. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Because just because you started it doesn't mean you got a, a patent on this thing, right? Just because you've seen some progress in your ministry doesn't mean, right, that you need to come up with a book, the 24 ways on how I was successful in building my ministry, and you need to buy my book. And you guys see where I'm going? Whenever anything good happens, we want to try to recreate it, right? We want to, we, we, we think, see, I, there, there's something interesting about the miracles of Jesus. Each of them was different from the next. There was no certain pattern to follow, right? One guy, he's spinning his eyes. Another guy, he took, he took mud. Another guy, he just said, get up and walk, right? God never wanted you to try to recreate something. Amen? Why do you think he told the people 
Thou shalt not have any graven images. Because he didn't even want you trying to recreate something that was good, that was in heaven. He said, don't recreate it. Don't misrepresent it. But sometimes I shake my head. And so does God. See, religion may engage your mind and may even engage your emotions, but guess what? It doesn't touch the heart. And that's what Jesus was really after all along, wasn't it? The heart. So that's why I believe Jesus shakes his head at religion. So when someone asks you, are you religious? You need to say, no, <laughs> I'm not religious. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jesus is the king of hearts. Amen. Do you believe that this, this evening? Jesus is the king of hearts. So I'm hoping that we could start getting the devil to shake his head at the church. Amen. Can we get to the place where we can have the devil start shaking his head at us instead of God Almighty? Let's take a look at our passage. See, this is an interesting passage, I believe. We're going to be looking at um, John chapter 1. See, Jesus was calling his disciples in the beginning of his ministry, right? He got Peter. He got Andrew. He got Philip. And, yes, I'm going to be preaching about Nathaniel tonight. And you may say, Nathaniel. Maybe you prefer Bartholomew. <laughs> they were one and the same, actually, Bartholomew and Nathaniel, by the way. You really don't hear a whole lot about Nathaniel in the Bible, right? How many, how many times have we listed him as our favorite disciple? Yeah, Nathaniel. Yeah. I'm going to name my third child Nathaniel. <laughs> no. So um, take a look at, cha at John chapter 1, verse 45. Amen. And it reads, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom the Mos of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Pause there for a moment because that's the only thing I ever thought about Nathanael was he was the naysayer, right? He was the one who had something negative to say right? About Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And sometimes people shake their head at you when they say, where are you from? Bridgeport. Oh, really? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Has anything good ever come out of Bridgeport? Mm -mm -mm -mm. But see, the thing about that comment is if you really look at it, he really was, it really wasn't a negative, it wasn't more, uh, more of a, a slap kind of a comment or a negative comment, but it was really more a statement of fact. Because Nazareth was such a small, insignificant town, right? There was no prophecies about Nazareth. There was no influential people that came out of Nazareth. It was so small, it wasn't even mentioned. When they were splitting up the tribes and everybody was taking their territories and lands, you won't find Nazareth in there. But isn't it just like God <laughs> to take the weak things of this world, to take the insignificant people and the insignificant places, right, and do something great, do something marvelous, do something that people stop and take notice of. And it has nothing to do with the place. 
and it has nothing to do with the people. But it's just so that the name of God would be glorified. Sometimes we wonder why hasn't revival come to Bridgewater? Well, it's because we're trying to make too much of a name for ourselves. And God says, I want nothing of it. Shaking my head. He's shaking his head. If you want revival, doesn't that mean that Jesus' name needs to be lifted up? Amen. And not a church, not a ministry, not an organization, not a gifted speaker. Come on, somebody. Philip said to him, come and see. That was his response. I love it. Has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Come and see for yourself. All right. Jesus saw Nathanael. I love this. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? How do you know me? <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. How many know that God sees us right where we're at? Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. This is his statement of faith right here. Amen. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Amen. Come on. Don't we want to hear that from God? And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Didn't we sing about that? An open heaven, right? And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Amen. What a, what a sight. What a picture. Amen. So tonight, I'm just going to point out a couple things. A couple things that hopefully we can learn from this story of Nathaniel here. Amen. The first thing is that we need to be concerned more with salvation than with a sign. Amen? We need to be more concerned with salvation than we are with signs. How many of you guys want to see signs and miracles? Come on, nobody? Who wants to see? Come on, let's be real. Who wants to see signs and miracles? Who wants to pray for the dead and see them raised? Who wants to place their hands on the blind and see them see? Amen? I don't know about you, but I do. But when the sign becomes the focus, mm -mm -mm, shaking my head, shaking my head. Because if, if your heart ain't right, it doesn't how many, how many signs you experience, doesn't matter how many miracles you witness in your lifetime, if your heart ain't right, you're still not going to be Still not going to be right. You're still not going to believe, right? Didn't the rich man, when he died and he went to hell, what happened to him? He said, can't you just, can't you just send somebody to my brothers? And he said, what good would it do? I'm paraphrasing, right? What good would it do? They already had the prophets. They already seen the miracles. Amen. Is making sense? Now, the interesting thing about signs is we're always looking for signs, and we forget the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Your own individual conversion experience, because the Bible says that when you get saved, right, you've crossed over from death to life. That sounds like a miracle and a sign to me. I don't know about you guys. 
right? You were once were dead and now you can, now you are alive, right? Once we're blind, now you can see, right? That's a great sign. You once were in darkness, but now you're in light. Amen? You once were bound by the curse and by sin and death, but now we're under grace. Amen? What a wonderful sign is salvation. But the interesting thing is Matthew chapter 16 and verse 4 says, a wicked and adulterous generation is what? Seeking after signs. Why do you think he uses the word adulterous generation? Because an adulterous generation is just looking for something to pleasure them for a moment. I'll go to this service and I'll get blessed here. And then I'll go to that service and get blessed there. Right? You just look and just keep bouncing around looking for something to just tickle your spiritual funny bone. Right? And Jesus is, he's saying, I thought you came for me. But if you're going to be satisfied by some tricks, then okay. So be it. Now, let me qualify this before anybody gets offended, but <laughs> there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a, a miracle healing service going on this weekend in New York City. Benny Hen is going to be there, and people are going to be getting healed at that service. And you better believe there's a whole lot more people at that service than there are at this service tonight. You better believe there's a whole lot more people at that service than there is in any other prayer night. And I think when that happens, because it's a wicked and adulterous generation now. You might say, oh, oh, hey, I've been to Benny Hinn. That guy's a man of God, and I'm sure he is. But guess what? If you're just there because you're looking for some signs... There's people that will empty their wallets to see a couple signs, but they won't tithe on a Sunday. Shaking my head. (laughs) See, the interesting thing is when Nathaniel was coming to Jesus, Jesus called him out before he even got there. And I always thought, when I read this passage, I used to always think that Jesus was almost being sarcastic. That's kind of the way I used to look at that passage, that Jesus was like, oh, because he knew what he said about Nazareth, right? And he's like, hmm, you want to talk bad about my hometown, huh? You know, here comes a true Israelite in whom is no deceit. And, and, and the King James Version says, in whom is no guile. In other words, he's saying, here comes a man who is pure of heart. And I wonder if that convicted him. Because maybe he thought he had to check himself real quick. Am I, whoa, you know, am I really pure heart? Because people that are pure heart, they're not so quick to broadcast that, right? They're, they're continually working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. More than they're concerned with the other things that go on in religious institutions. But... I'd like to think that while Nathaniel was under the fig tree, what was Nathaniel doing? I don't know. Was he inventing the fig newton? I don't know. Was he, 
making some fig jam. I, I have no idea. But I like to think that he was there in his quiet time and he was contemplating his own salvation. And, and, and see, it's interesting because this, this passage is, ref, is cross-referenced with Psalms chapter 32 and verse 1 and 2 when David is talking about, matter of fact, why don't we turn there real quick. Psalms 32. And David says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Here it is. And whose spirit there is no deceit. And then he goes on to say the weight of sin was upon him, and he didn't like the way that felt. It made his, own, his bones feel, feel old, right? It, it, it physically began to sap his body, the weight of sin upon David. He needed salvation. And thank God for Jesus. Because when we come to Jesus, he washes us white as snow. The, the, the weight of sin has been lifted, but sometimes we forget to continually come back to the moment of salvation and realize that it's not a one-time event, but it's an ongoing process where God begins to perfect us in holiness and righteousness so that truly when Jesus would look at me, could he say of me, there is Josh a true Bridgeportian <laughs> of whom there is no deceit. Oh, if that could be my testimony, I'd be happy. I don't know about you. If God could say that about you, would you be happy? Would you be satisfied? Would that be enough for you? Sometimes we need to think we need to have these big spiritual resumes. I served on this board, and I did this, and I served on that way, and I won this many people to Christ, and I preached to 5,000 people, and this many people got saved, and blah, blah, blah. But when God looks at your heart, what does he see? Does he see a whitewashed tomb with dead man's bones in him? Or does he see a true believer in whom there is no deceit? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What a simple statement, but what a powerful truth. If we could get our hearts right, we will surely see God. Amen? How many know that we need to see God in this city for anything to really begin to change and happen? It doesn't matter how many times we come and we meet together on a Friday night, but if we're not seeing God, then it's really just going to be a bunch of people hanging out together, singing some songs and telling some jokes and shaking their heads. At the devil, oh, that devil, he's really got a hold on the city of Bridgeport. But if we would get our hearts right, we would see God in this city. Amen? <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart. For Nathaniel was one of the first to see the Messiah. Amen? Next, our eyes need to be on the Messiah Amen. Jesus, the Messiah. I'm doing a whole alliteration thing, so I had to say Messiah. No. Not a man. Our eyes need to be on the Messiah and not on a man. Now, Messiah means anointed one. And the Messiah was prophesied about. 
And a true Israelite like Nathaniel would know about the prophecies. Amen. This is why Philip, when he was he was presenting them to him, he said, look, we found the one that they were prophesying about. And that stirred up Nathaniel's interest, I believe. But when's the last time you invited somebody or somebody invited you to church and said, come to church and see God. Come to church and experience Jesus in your life. And you got excited about it. Truly excited about it. If, if, if it were that easy, huh? Like if we could just walk around the streets in Bridgeport and say, come to this service on Sunday. Because you're going to see God in this place. And people, all of a sudden, their hearts would just begin to open and, and begin to say, yes, because that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been longing for. There's a hole in my heart, and it can only be filled by God. If only that would happen. Well, guess what? It can happen. If we just begin to start opening our mouth, right, Brother Carlos? I know you have a heart for evangelism. And that's what it means to be heaven-minded, doesn't it? Amen? When we're willing to step out of our comfort zones, and begin to tell people, come and see. Come and see what God is doing in this place. And it has nothing to do with the place. It has nothing to do with the people. But God is where his people are willing to receive him. Amen? If you get about three people in a room whose hearts are pure, you'll see God in that room. You could have 5,000 people in a room, but if no one has their heart right, you won't see God in that room. So numbers mean nothing. The only numbers God's, God is concerned with is the number of hearts that are pure, the number of hearts that are truly seeking after his will and in his face. Amen? How many numbers are in this room tonight, I would wonder? If God were to shine the flashlight over this room, myself included, how many pure hearts would he find? Would he find one, two, three, four, five? Or would he shake his head? Would he shake his head? That's not for me to answer. Amen? But see, the thing is, it's so easy to say, yeah, I want more of God. I want more of Jesus. But then our eyes are on men. Bridgeport has a whole lot of churches there's a whole lot of preachers in this city. There's a whole lot of apostles. <laughs> and so, never mind, I won't even go, I won't even go there. But there's a whole lot of people in this city, right? With titles upon titles upon titles. And they want people's eyes on them. And when our eyes are on men, we can't possibly have our eyes on God and men at the same time, can we? So I believe that when Nathaniel saw Jesus, he saw only Jesus. He saw only Jesus at that moment. Why? Because Jesus connected with him. Jesus said, I saw you. And at that moment, it drew Nathaniel in, right? But you say, but that was a sign, right? That was a sign. But guess what? He wasn't seeking it, was he? Because when your heart is right, the signs will follow. Amen? God loves to reveal himself to people, but not when you're asking for it in that way. <laughs> Amen? 
So he offered him a word of knowledge, right? I saw you, and I saw where you were earlier today, right? Good thing it wasn't somewhere bad, right? <laughs> Amen. That's a whole other message, I guess. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, as men, we mess things up. As men, we mess things up because we like the applause, right? We like to be liked. We like to have a whole bunch of followers on Facebook, right? <laughs> Amen? We like that when we preach, people clap and people say, yeah, you know, I want to go hear this guy preach. We like that. There's something on the inside of us, right, that it always wants to draw our attention away from, from God and onto us. The Pharisees love to be watched. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces, right, it said. They love to wear these flashy garments so that everybody would know who they were, right? But when our eyes are on man, we will not see unity. We will not see revival until we can turn our eyes up. Amen? Think about Jesus. How did he do it? He was born in a stable. Right? He was a blue he worked the blue collar job, right? <laughs> he was in the carpenters union. Right? I don't know if he ever went on strike, but he rode on a donkey. He was even known to wash people's feet. When many disciples wanted to come after him. What did he tell one of them? He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. So sometimes I just, when, when I look at the Christian leaders, sometimes I just can't help but I got to shake my head because if Jesus is our model, then how in the world can we justify some of the things that we see? Amen. Praise God. That's a, I won't even go too far on that one. Amen. Okay. So, <laughs> some, of these, some of these preachers, no, no, but <laughs> see, the thing is, I could get up here, right, and I could start pointing fingers at other preachers, right, but I'm not checking my own heart because it's easy to get up here and, and point out the faults of others, Right? But if I'm not checking my own heart, amen? Next, we need a heart that longs for heaven and not a haven. There's only one letter difference between the two, but there's a big difference. Longing for heaven instead of a haven. Now, what's a haven? A haven is a harbor. It's a port, bridge port. Did you know that Bridgeport was a harbor? It was a haven where ships could come to, right, and do their business, right? This is where, you know, port, port towns is where a lot of business and commerce was set up. New Haven, right? All these different towns up, up, and, up along the water on, on the coast, that, that was money-making. Those were money-making towns. People wanted to be where the water was because that's where they could ship their goods back and forth, right? That's history, and that even that still happens today. But the thing about a haven is you go 
there to kind of hide out for a little while. Because when you're out on the sea, you're exposed to the elements. But when you come into a port, when you come into a haven, you can be safe from the storms, right? I used to go to school at Temple University in Philadelphia. And at that time, I wasn't really walking close with the Lord. And I remember taking the subway one day. And it's a crowded subway. You know how it is in, in subways. You ever been in the subways in New York? And, and sometimes it's just jam-packed in there. And nobody wants to look at nobody. Nobody wants to talk to nobody, right? Unless you came with somebody, you're not talking to nobody, right? Unless you're telling them, hey, back up a little bit. You're a little too close to me. Or, hey, I think that's my wallet. Don't try to take that out of my... No. <laughs> but there was this woman one day. And she was singing a song. You will meet him one day. You will meet him one day. What you're going to do when you see Jesus? You will meet him one day. And she just kept singing that. And I remember thinking, it just like pierced my heart. Because I thought to myself, first of all, she's being bold. She's stepping out of her haven and she's being a witness. And then number two, it made me contemplate my own life to say, yes, one day I'm going to meet Jesus, just like Nathaniel met Jesus. And how will my report card read? How will yours read on that day? See, religion creates a bubble. It creates a haven where we say, in these doors, you are safe. You can feel free to jump and shout. You can feel free to preach and to pray and to get on your face and come to the altar. But then as soon as you leave these doors, you're back out on the open waters. And then anything can go, right? And so we hide out in our havens. And we create these churches, these temples, these cathedrals, these fortresses of solitude where no one else can come in except us. Come on. Only people that are like us can come in. And when I'm in here, I'm safe. And I can be a Christian inside of the haven. And I could pray to God for revival and I could pray to God for unity inside my haven. But that's only going to last for however long that service lasts. And then it's back to business as usual. See, that's the problem with a haven. See, Jesus didn't spend most of his time on the streets, right? He brought heaven to wherever he was. He brought the kingdom of God to wherever he was. Amen? He wasn't just trying to create just a little circle and a little haven. See, what did he do when his disciples started getting that mindset? They said, hey, Jesus, we heard that there was some other people. They're not, they're, not, they're not from our group. They were casting out demons. And he's like, good. Because if they're not against us, they're for us. Amen? And this is the problem why we have disunity. Because too often we're looking at other havens and we're saying, well, your haven's not like mine. I do it better than you. So you do your thing over there. I'll do my thing over here. 
Meanwhile, when you get to heaven, is there going to be a whole bunch of little pockets like that? It's going to be everybody next to each other. Now, if you have that mindset, what makes you think you're even going to get there? Because if you can't get along now, what makes you think you're going to get along in heaven? Amen? Amen? If you can't say amen, say ouch. If we can't get along with other churches now, <laughs> what makes us think that we're going to be rejoicing and worshiping God together in heaven? You won't even make it there. If you can't, if you can't love your brother, which you do see, right? How can we say we love God when we can't even love our own brothers? Heaven. We sang, I want to be heavenly minded. Heaven minded, right? The only way to be heaven minded is to know that this is not my haven. This is not my home. My home is somewhere else. And when we realize that my home is not here, it makes you act a whole lot differently. Because when, you, when you're at home, you get comfortable, right? You take off your shoes. You take off your socks. Some of us take off more than that, and that's okay. But just don't invite me over when you do that. <laughs> we get comfortable, right? Sometimes I think God shakes his head. Because we've gotten too comfortable in our havens, and we've forgotten about heaven. And we're so worried about my problems. Poor me, right? Everybody feels sorry for me and the things that I'm going through. Come pray for me. That stuff's only going to last for a little while. Amen? This stuff's only temporary. Amen? It gives us a different mindset. See, it's like if you know today was Friday, right? Some of us got three-day weekends. I don't know about you, but three-day weekends coming up, right? So it doesn't matter how bad my Friday was because I know I'm looking forward to a three-day weekend, right? We need to have that mindset, right? It doesn't matter how bad things get. It's only going to last for a moment because I got something better to look forward to. Amen? Praise God. Now, the interesting thing about heaven is Nathaniel is like, wow, Jesus, how did you know? How did you know I was under the fig tree? <laughs> right? He's like, you think that's something? Right? What did he say? Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king. Because I, I, I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open. How many want to see heaven open? You ever have those moments where you're driving down the highway and you, and you see, this is, this is like the scene that represents Bridgeport, right? People's Bank, that big red and white smokestack, right? The, the Harbor Yard Arena. But every, now, every time I drive through there, I just pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And then sometimes when you're driving through, you'll see like it'll be a cloudy day and then just like it just opens up, right? And then just the sun just beams through. I love those moments. I don't know about you guys, but when there's an open heaven, the light shines right through the darkness, doesn't it? Right through the dark spots, right through all the junk and the mess and the decay. When heaven is open. And he said, you're going to see angels ascending and descending. 
Now, it's interesting when you look, when you, when you think about that, because the only other time when something like that is mentioned, it's in the book of Genesis, chapter 28, verse 12. Jacob's ladder. You guys know the story? Where Jacob is traveling, right? And then he sees this vision of angels ascending and descending, touching down on the ground. See, heaven was meeting earth at that moment, right? And he called it Jacob's ladder. He, actually, he, he called it Bethel, which means house of God. He said, surely God is in this place. Oh, that we could say that in our services, that surely God is in this place. Because as we begin to worship, heaven begins to open. Amen? Amen. And we can see angels ascending and descending. But it's interesting because Jesus uses this passage and he says, angels will ascend and descend upon me. So therefore, Jesus was the ladder. Amen? Jesus was the ladder that Jacob saw in the book of Genesis. And Jesus is the connection from heaven to earth. There's no way to get up into heaven, right? There's no way we're going to see God except through Jesus Christ. So climb that ladder. <laughs> you ever thought of Jesus as a ladder? He's the ladder, right? He's our bridge that connects heaven and earth. So therefore, we must keep our eyes on Jesus if he's the ladder, right? How, how are you going to be a roofer without a ladder, right? How are you going to change a light bulb if you have like a tall ceiling like this without a ladder, right? How do we expect to see heaven come to earth unless we have the ladder, unless our eyes are on the ladder? And the ladder is not something that you fold up and put in your closet somewhere, but it's something that should be out always, right? Where's your ladder at? Amen. Could we stand? Hallelujah. At this time, I just feel like it's a perfect opportunity for each and every one of us to just look inward for a moment. And just ask God, God, show me. Put the spotlight on me. Put the spotlight on my heart. Show me what you see when you look at me. I want to see what you see when you look at me. Some of us might get scared at what we see, but that's okay. Because how else can you deal with it unless you're willing to look at it right in the face? How else can you get your heart right unless you're ready for heart surgery? And the very thought of heart surgery scares us. Because what if I lose my life? And Jesus said exactly. That's what you need to do. You need to lose your life. So that it could be found in Christ. Amen. So God, would you begin to open our hearts Lord, we want to cry out like David said, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew and restore. Because he realized there was such a connection between his heart being right and having that open relationship with God. 
So God, would you open our hearts this evening? Just begin to pray where you are. Just begin to soul search where you are. Hallelujah. If you feel like you need to come forward, come forward. But if you feel like you need to get down on your knees, get down on your knees. But every one of us needs to take a look at our hearts right at this moment. Oh God, that we would be like Nathaniel. Pure and open and blameless so that we would see you, God. Truly that we would see you. That the songs that we sing would match our heart's cry. And that we wouldn't just be crying these words, but our heart is also joining in. God, would you begin to do it tonight? God, would you begin to do it tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah.
on, let's just bow our heads. Come on, I believe that Josh preached a powerful message. You know, I believe we can just go with about our night tonight, but I believe it, the question, the truth of the matter is that if you can't stand before God right now, if you can't stand before, stand where you're at right now, and, and you can't say that if you stood before God that he wouldn't shake his head at you. I think that almost every single one of us, God would shake his head at us in some way, some form, some fashion. I believe that message can speak to me, can speak to anybody under the sound of my voice. The only way to see God is to be pure of heart. Matthew 5, I believe 28. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they shall see God. I don't think he could have came up with a better title except for shaking my head. You know, come on, just bow your heads, and I want you to answer that question in your heart this evening. You can be concerned with time, or you can be concerned with the truth of the matter, that God might not be pleased with you. You can be worried about when you're going to go home. You can be worried about if you might ever get to heaven. At some point, I believe that God's dealing with some people in this night. And you're tired of God being sick and tired of you. There's some other people who are just wanting to be pure of heart. You're wanting to see God move in your life. You're wanting to see God touch you. You're wanting to see God move in your churches. You're wanting to see God move in your family, in your city. Come on, does anybody want to be pure of heart tonight? I would challenge you, if that's you tonight, take a step of faith. Come out to this altar, just begin to pray. If you're saying, you know, Pastor, I want to be pure of heart. I want to see God at some point in my life. I got some things that maybe God would shake his head at me. I got some things in my life that aren't too kosher. I got some things that don't please God. I got items in my life that if, if God saw it, he would be disgusted with me. Matter of fact, God is disgusted with me. God is shaking his head at me. I'm not perfect. I do need God. I want to be pure of heart. Come on, is there any more takers? I want to be pure of heart. I want God to see that I don't have no deceit in me. I have no guile in me. I simply am a servant of the Most High God. I simply want to see God. Come on, come on. Is there anybody else here saying, Pastor, I am imperfect. Pastor, I have issues. Pastor, if God's going to move in Bridgeport through me, it's got to be through a pure heart. It's got to be through a surrender. It's got to be through submission. It's got to be. Come on, there's room in the altar. There's room, there's room. Come on, come on, if you're there, press in, press in. Come on, press in, there's room. I want to be pure of heart. You may say, I can pray for my cheer. I can handle it right here. But a step of faith says, I'm going to walk to that altar. And I'm going to say, God, I am not perfect. God, you might shake your head at me. I don't care if you're a leader. I don't care if you're an usher. I don't care if you're a worshiper. Whatever you're doing, you're sitting there saying, God, you might not be pleased with me. Come on, the altar's open. The altar's open. The altar's open for those who are saying, God, I want you to move in my heart. Just move in this place, Lord. 
God walks up to you, walks up to me, he can say, oh, look at him who is pure of heart, him who has no deceit and has no God. Oh, God, see your people tonight, God. Genuine hearts after you, God. After your heart, God. God, we're after your heart, Father God. God, we're after your heart tonight, Father God. God, we just want you. Come on, tell him right now. Tell him right now, God, I only want you, God. God, I want to be pure of heart. Strengthen me tonight, God. I want to be an example for your kingdom's sake, God. I want to lift your name higher. I want to lift your name higher. I want to lift your name, Father. Just have your way, Holy Spirit. And God, let your kingdom reign. Just reign in this place tonight. Reign in this place tonight, Holy Spirit. Reign in this place tonight. We want you to reign, God. Shine through our hearts, God. Take every unclean thing out from us, God. Let your kingdom reign in my heart, God. Let all the earth. Let all the earth proclaim. God on the earth, let your kingdom reign. God, I want to be what you want me to be. Speak to our hearts, Father God. Speak to our hearts, Father God. God, let your kingdom reign. Let all the earth proclaim it, God. Let all the earth proclaim it tonight, Father God. God on the earth, let your kingdom reign. God, let your kingdom reign. God, let your kingdom reign. We want to be pure of heart tonight, Father God. We want to be pure of heart in this place, Holy Spirit. Father, we want to see you. God, we want that we will leave this place and come in contact with someone. They see you in us, God. God, we desire your heart. We surrender tonight. Come on, I dare you to lift your hands and tell them I'm surrendering to you, God. I'm surrendering to your will. I'm surrendering, God. I don't want those things in my life anymore that do not please you. God, I would ask that you would remove them from my life, God. Remove them from my heart, God. Remove them, God. Remove them, Father God. Holy Spirit, we just want what you want for us, God. 
Oh, Father, from the oldest to the youngest, Father. Have your way, Father. Have your way, God. God, as they talk to you, just speak to their hearts, Father God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just cry out to you, Father. we stand here just completely crying out to you Father God God the word has fallen on good soil God it's ministered to our hearts tonight we thank you for the message God God raise up a generation a, a group of individuals God who are not looking for a haven but looking for heaven God God looking to see Jesus looking to see the miracles and signs and wonders God but moreover God that we're looking for salvation God Looking to see people changed, not touched, God, but changed, God, for your name's sake, God. For this nation, and we cry out for this land, and fill us now. With your power, send revival, send revival, oh, send it, Lord. We just want you, Jesus. We just want you, Lord. Come on, just speak to him. In order for there to be revival, the word revival means that God has to breathe a fresh breath into something that once was living. So in order for there to be revival, something has got to die. Something has got to die. And tonight, what's dying is your will. What's dying is your will. And you're saying, God, I don't want this. What's dying is your life of sin. You're saying, God, I don't want this. What's dying is your inability to serve God correctly. What's dying is your is your desire to do the things of the world. But God says, no, I want to breathe my Ruach into you. I want to breathe my spirit into you. And I'm calling out to you tonight. And I'm reaching to you as you reach to me. And as you call on my name, I'm lifting that ladder. You're climbing up the ladder and I'm coming down to meet you. Come on, we're telling him we cry out. We cry out for Just fill us now and fill 
Come on, let's tell them one last time. We cry out. And we cry with all your hearts. Tell them. We're crying out for this nation. We're crying out for this land. Won't you fill us now with your power? Come on, tell them, send revival. Whisper to him, send it, Lord. Just tell him to send it to your life first. You need it first. Tell him, send it, send it, Lord. Send it, Lord, to me. Yes, send it, Lord. Oh, send it, Lord. Send it, Lord. 